So, so the way this works is I've asked 11 different people to share for about three to five minutes on what the resurrection means to them. And so we got a little clock back there, kind of so they can be aware how much time's going by. And uh, if they go, I mean, nobody's, there's no like, you know, shark waiting underneath, you know, a thing to drop you in there if you go past five minutes. But uh, I did ask Justin uh, to display what would happen if uh, y'all could turn around. If you go really long, yeah. Yeah, that, that signal means you have definitely lost track of time. So, all right. <laughs> oh, what a great night. Looking forward to it. So the first person who's going to share with us tonight and give them a warm welcome is Rebecca. So. Hi, my name is Rebecca, as Pastor Will just uh, said. I've been coming here for the last three years, and a lot of you might know me from back with the kiddos. But... So, um, what does the resurrection mean to me? So, after spending a lot of thought and time in that question, there are so many different things that the resurrection means to me personally, and in general, a lot of others, as you will most likely hear tonight. Uh, But that would take years to go through, so, um, and I don't think my allotted time is that much, so. I'll just stick with the most recent and meaningful answer to me, which is a relationship. Now, growing up, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian home with two on-fire Christian parents who never once hesitated to point me back to Christ in all areas of my life. Even with all that, it still amazes me that it took so long for me to realize it wasn't just a history lesson, but a daily walk, and more importantly, someone who is always there, no matter how much I'm being well, me. Uh, You see, growing up, I never doubted knowing if God exists, or if Jesus died on the cross, I never even doubted his place in my life. I knew his word to be true and even saw him personally move in both my life and my family's. And knowing that, I always kind of thought like Peter when he was in John 6, uh, when Jesus asked, where will you, uh, will you guys also go? And Peter's like, where shall we go? He's like, you have the words of eternal life. I'm like, I knew the truth and I knew there was nowhere else I could go without full denial. But up until high school, I still skipped over the parts in the Bible of Jesus calling us to commune with him and walk with him and even cast our cares on him. I still tried to shoulder the world and only turned to him when I wanted something. Uh, Instead of thanking him for all that he had done and provided, I used him like a punching bag, blaming him for my life not being perfect and then beating myself up for not being perfect in that life as well. I looked at God like a strict father who was holding me back from enjoying life or what I thought it was like for all the other kids around my age. And as crazy as it sounds, I even chided him for not giving me a rough background to rise out of. (laughs) Uh, Finally, around my 10th grade year of high school, the Lord opened my eyes to who he was, who he is, my peace, my source of love, someone who is there for me no matter how much I try to push them away. Someone I can confide in about everything that is going on in my life and who won't cut me off when I stop listening to him or stop even talking to him at times, but will instead lovingly come alongside me and say, where are you today? Come sit, talk with me. For a long time, I always thought it was beneath God to tell him my feelings and I would keep them so bottled up until I would explode, which um, would usually land on my mom or my sister. Uh, An overflowing of anger and grief at the world um, or my life or most times misdirected towards them or anyone near enough to actually listen to me. Um, Even after knowing of my access to Jesus and the Father through Christ's death on the cross, it still is a learning process. Still a daily struggle to give up control and allow Jesus to carry those burdens. Even just recently, I had to be reminded that I am never alone. He is always going to be there for me, even when I feel abandoned. It's just not true. Uh, He stands waiting for me to just run to him with open arms. So I'm going to leave you guys with this verse, which has become a reminder for me of the blessing of a relationship with Jesus that we now have through his glorious resurrection. And it's uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so I just want to leave you guys with a reminder of that, that we can go to the Lord for anything, and he is our true relationship, and it will always be there. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Rebecca serves in our kids' ministry, so she is on the way out back to serving the kids. So, so glad she got to come and share with us tonight. So, our next speaker is going to be Eddie. So, let's welcome Eddie on up. Thanks, Pastor, for not making me go first. Oh, boy. So, the resurrection to me means that one day... I will stand before my Savior because he has resurrected. He's not a God. He's not a person like Buddha was who, you know, it, it all strikes me funny how all the statues of Buddha, he's got a big belly and he's, he's smiling and, you know, but you look at Buddhist monks and they're all thin and they're never smiling. And it's like, it's denial. It's a life of denial, right? Where, where does that help anybody, right? And then you look at the, dark, the people who want to follow Dar- Darwin, right? Like, you know what? You can worship the creation. I love the creation of God, but I'm going to worship the creator of the creation, you know? And where did that creation come from? It came from our Savior, you know? And then I look at other religions. I look at Muslims, you know? And I, I'm like, wait a minute. I, th- I think some of the radical Muslims think it's good to kill people of other faiths, you know? And we know, we, we've heard through the teaching that Eric did about Jonah, that God doesn't, he, he isn't pleased by punishment of the wicked because he desires us all to come to the knowledge of Christ and be saved, everybody. So that's, that's the Lord I look forward to standing in front of one day and uh, hopefully not be too nervous and feel that he was pleased with my life. But uh, so... I look at, Lord told me just to share things that are on my heart. Don't try to be a theologian and, and get too deep into things because there's too many of you guys in the audience. And I don't think I would be very impressive. So pastor spoke about, you know, before the resurrection was the crucifixion, you know. So the death, you know. So I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about, you know, through his death, is the greatest blessing. So through some of our trials and tribulations is some of, could be our greatest blessings if we allow it to be and our hardships, you know, and that um, we, uh, we, if we, when we yield and we bow to the Lord and we surrender, that is actually when we feel like we're truly set free that you can have that peace that passes all understanding, and God can, can deliver you through that, you know. I, I had the privilege of bring, bringing in a young visitor today that his parents are really concerned about the things he's going through. And I said, look, let me invite him to church to see if he comes. Praise the Lord, he came, you know. And afterwards, he's like, yeah, I can talk to you because we have a lot in common. It seems like you used to be quite the wild child yourself. I said, yeah. He says, well, how long does it take in order for you to get over this or over that and I'm like yeah the rest of your life because when you conquer one thing you have another thing and it's it's not about changing from the outside in it's not about changing to impress people it's about like pastor constantly drills into it's about letting the Lord do his work through you and let it be sincere because when he sets you free it's genuine it's not it's not fake if he sets you free from an addiction you're set free. You realize you don't have to worry about the temptation of going back to it because you prayed about it with a sincere heart. And then when he comes through, it's like, hallelujah, like, you know, it's, it's not a challenge. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next thing, you know, but then, it, then there is a next thing. It doesn't stop, you know. So it reminds, it kind of, what another thing I, I just wanted to share with you is like, all through life, we learn these lessons, and we learn that uh, 
that what we chase in life and what we focus on and, and make into our gods affects people around us. And there was a time in my life where I spent all my resources and time chasing a dream that I had for my son in a sport. And I neglected my marriage. I neglected my, you know, my wife. I neglected my one daughter, um, which I love her for that because she has forgiven me, you know. And I see that, I, I see that with God. Like, I think God's impressed when he actually has a sinner bow his knee and come to him, more impressed with that lost one than the 99 who maybe didn't have a big struggle, you know. So whether you're the 99 that was maybe always in the fold of God, which is a great thing because you can thank your parents for that and your grandparents. But if you was one, say, that didn't have the right upbringing and you come to Christ, I think there's rejoicing, big rejoicing in heaven when that day comes. So by saying that, I just want to share a story about this farmer who would have to go fetch water every day and he had two clay pots, you know. You can picture this little Asian guy with a stick behind his neck and two clay pots, and he's carrying water. And then one day, one of the pots told him, you go on without me. I don't really want to go. And he says, why is that? And the pot said, well, you know, I have this crack, and I leak water. By the time you get back to camp from the lake, I have spilt most of my water off on the trail, so you really don't need me. You can just use the other pot. And the farmer said to the cracked pot, said, no, all those days that you spilt water on the trail, I was able to plant a seed and enjoy the, f- the flowers that came up from that. So you served a different purpose and brought a different joy into my life. And that's how I see God looks at us, that, you know, he uses our cracked pots to bring joy into people's lives. And to have a Savior that is willing to save someone who makes a promise but doesn't keep it. And he knows, like, when I, when I bowed my knee, God said, oh, this is the guy who got saved in youth camp the summer before high school, and now he's 21 and wants to bow his knee. But Jesus looks at the Father, and he says, yes, you know, what he did on Calvary covers that. And knowing our weakness, he still forgives us. So that's the God I serve, the resurrected God, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Christ receiveth sinful men. All right, well, the next person who's going to share is going to be Ansley Morse. Let's welcome her up. Hey, guys. I'm Ansley. Um, So, basically, yeah, you probably know me um, from... I'm Ansley Morse. I have a lot of siblings. Um, So... If you, don't, if you haven't met me, you've probably met someone from my family. Um, so when I was first asked uh, to share what the resurrection meant to me, I kind of had to question myself because I was like, I've grown up my entire life in the church, and there's never been like a moment or a time period that I specifically fell away from the Lord. So I asked myself, and I was like, how can the resurrection mean something special to someone who really hasn't experienced that drastic, you know, salvation change, you know? And then I stopped myself and I was like, that's not, that's not a valid question to ask. Because even though I didn't have a moment in my life that it went from being like this awful person to, you know, receiving Christ, I did receive Christ and it's a daily walk for me and it's a daily decision to take up my cross and follow him And it's a daily, you know, I am being resurrected every single day. It wasn't a moment. It's every day. Um, A verse that's really spoken to me lately is is 1 Peter 2, verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. 
by his wounds you have been healed. Something that I really struggle with is um, the idea of living for righteousness. You know, what does that look like? Um, I think like, oh, you know, got to live for being super productive. But it doesn't say that we die to sins and live for productivity or live for, you know, getting all this stuff done. Um, you're living for righteousness, and that means that, you know, none of us can attain righteousness through good works. That means we're constantly looking towards eternity, and, you know, the cross is the most humbling and best um, reminder of that for me. So, yeah. All right. We're going to have a first of our young people was tonight. We'll have a few more tonight. Uh, but our next speaker is going to be Vin. So let's give Vin a warm welcome. Don't start that yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so my dad used to say to try not to be the first person to speak because you may not know what you want to say and don't be the last one because you may run out of ideas. So uh, thank you, Pastor Will, for making his advice come true. Um, <laughs> anyway, my name is Vin. Um, I knew a lot of you guys already, but I hope this is a good opportunity for me to uh, meet some of the new faces as well. Um, but uh, what do the res- resurrections mean to me? Uh, it means three things. Uh, Christianity is true. Strength to continue in the faith, and lastly, courage to share the gospel. Uh, those are the three points that I'm going to expound on uh, in a second. So firstly, Christianity is true. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians 15, uh, verse 14, in Christ, if Christ has not raised uh, been raised, our preaching is useless. So is our faith, the resurrections validating the love of God to us, uh, that Jesus is who he say he is. Uh, I have total confidence in uh, what the Bible teaches, even though I may not understand a large chunk of it, that uh, nothing is too hard for God. Miracles does exist. Uh, secondly, uh, strength to continue in the faith. Uh, speaking of miracles, I want to share with you a personal story. Uh, after uh, medical school in uh, Missouri, or some of you, or most of you know it's Missouri, um, uh, uh, many of you know that I, I moved here roughly two years ago uh, for my residency training in emergency medicine. Uh, and uh, how I got this far in my professional career is actually a miracle. So uh, I was born and raised in a, a Buddhist family in Vietnam. The fact that, uh, you know, my parents are, are still Buddhist. Uh, I came to the U.S. at the age of 16. I could probably understand about 50 to 60% of English. So applying or getting to accepted to medical school did not appear in my craziest dream. Um, how, by the grace of God, I did. Uh, my parents was proud and promised to pay for school. But it's about three weeks before school started. My dad told me to renounce my faith uh, or he wouldn't pay for school. He said, rejecting Jesus, come back to be our son. If you're still stubborn, I will let your God take care of you. He didn't realize that uh, he prophesied, God did take care of me. Um, at that moment, I was shocked. I was confused. I had been a Christian for roughly six years until that point. I knew that my parents disliked the idea of me being a believer. But I didn't know that it could be that bad. Uh, an old friend of mine uh, gave me a verse that stick uh, with me to today. In Matthew uh, chapter 10, verse 29 and 30, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home brothers or sisters or mother or father, children or fields for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children, fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. There are certain costs to follow Jesus, and the resurrection reminds me that it is worth it. Long story short, the gospel gave me the strength to hold on to my faith, and eventually my parents changed their minds. 
though we are still not totally on the same page in terms of our faith, our relationship got better over the years uh, since that point. Thirdly, courage and bonus to share the gospel. Perhaps you might have heard uh, a similar analogy, but imagine if you have pancreatic cancer, one of the worst type of cancer that you can have, and uh, there is a potion that could treat you, uh, and, and you heal from that. Would you go out and share the two with people, no matter how they think of you or what they uh, would respond to you? We speak most about what we love most. Without people who step out their comfort zone to share their life story and the gospel to me, perhaps I would not have become a believer today. Um, so, yeah, the resurrection of Christ should give us that bonus and the courage to share the gospel. It's validated. It's a proof that God's love is for us. It is real. Finally, one of my favorite verses in the book of Revelation is Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 to 5. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's what the resurrection means to me. It's ultimately giving me the hope that everything will be set right by God and that we will be part of that new order thanks to his grace and mercy. Amen. I love this. Every year, we do this twice a year with Thanksgiving and, and what the resurrection means to me. And the cool part is, is sometimes maybe there's someone you've never connected with. Some of those four people that I've shared so far, maybe thought, I didn't even know they attended here. And, you know, you hear their story and, and you think, wow, I'd love to, you know, talk to them. That really encouraged me. So I encourage you, you know, with all of the folks you share tonight, you know, if they uh, bless you, you know, or maybe you have something in common, you know, talk to them. A lot of times I've heard that folks said, yeah, we became friends because I heard somebody, what they shared and our stories are very similar and it really challenged me. So, well, our next person is going to share is Christy. So come on up. Good evening. My name is Christy Morse, and I, I thought I'd start by just giving you a little background on our family. Um, I came to Calvary Chapel, Orlando, 25 years ago. My husband and I were dating at the time. Um, we were married by Pastor Gibb Allen and had the first six of our children, all of whom were dedicated here, at, not in this building, but in this church family. And we were here for 13 years, and then... Things were shifting in our lives, and things were shifting in the church, and um, the time seemed right to find a church that was a little closer to our home. We live in Apopka, which isn't eons away, but when you have a large family, and they were all about to enter the youth group, and we knew we'd be back and forth a lot from church, we thought maybe we should find somewhere a little bit more local, and um, I'm going to lose my place. We began attending a church closer to our house, and we were there for about eight years, had two more children while we were there. And, uh, but during those years, we were faithful to come back here every year for Fall Fun Night. And it was like a highlight of our kids' years. And it was fun for us because it was like coming home and we got to reconnect with everybody and see people. And um, it was really like a homecoming. So um, through a series of God-ordained events in 2019, the Morse family started trickling back to Calvary Chapel. And at uh, first, my oldest son locked into the young adults group, and then he got his sisters, my teenage daughters, to come visit the youth group, and they rekindled some old friendships from when they were little, and um, then COVID hit, and then we started watching online services, and, um, and we were reminded just how much we missed the deep verse-by-verse -verse teaching that is here at Calvary Chapel, and um, we started attending the outdoor services when they started up, and, um, and here we are, and I really feel like we've come back home. Um, I know God worked through the time that we were away, but I'm so glad that he brought us back and we're here. So um, it's a little 
background on our family. Anne sees my daughter. She's someone, all the siblings. And you're going to hear from a few more of our family tonight. But um, when I think about what the resurrection means to me, gosh, my first thought is just everything, right? Like, how can you sum that up? Nothing in life would be as it is if I had not chosen to follow Christ, right? And I chose to follow Christ because he's the risen living Lord. We serve a God who created us, took the punishment for our sins, died an unimaginable death in our place, but death couldn't hold him, right? Like our song that our kids sang this morning, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign, right? Because of the resurrection, I know that Jesus was who he said he was. And that allows me to rest in his promises in this crazy world that we live in. And in this phase of my life, that really manifests itself as his peace. That's really what stands out to me. When there are wars all around and there's political conflict and media bias and misinformation, I have peace because I serve a living God who controls all things and who tells me that I can trust him, right? When I'm trying to care for my family of 10 and homeschool eight children and raise them to serve and honor God in a world that is in a country that's increasingly hostile towards Christians, despite my feelings of inadequacy and all of that, I have peace because I serve a living God who's promised never to leave me or forsake me, right? We've had so many blessings in our lives this year. We've had um, our oldest son got married, and we, um, we feel like we're, we're blessed to be back here, and we just have abundant blessings. But we've also had sickness in our family this year and death, and learning challenges and family challenges, work challenges, and the unending busyness of large family life. But, but there's always the anchor of God's peace. And I might get knocked around by the ways of life, but I have peace because I know that nothing is powerful enough to move that anchor, right? Nothing can separate me from his great love or his promises. And because he lives, I have peace, a peace that passes all understanding. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. All right. The next person is going to share is going to be Isaac. So come on up, Isaac. Good evening, everyone. Um, so my name is Isaac. I just, um, I've been attending this church for around eight years now. And every moment has just been like just such a huge blessing to me. I've seen God do marvelous things here, and I can't wait to see what he does uh, in the future. Uh, So when I think of the resurrection, I think of two words, power and hope. First, I'll talk about that power part of his resurrection. The idea of someone raising themselves from the dead is, you know, impossible. Like, how could someone be as powerful as to literally raise himself from the dead? It is impossible. But the beauty of Christ's resurrection is that he proves that he truly is the Messiah, that he is the chosen one, that he he is our Savior. Now that raises the question that if he has the power to raise himself from the dead, then why would he have come down to earth to die in the first place? If he truly has the power to raise himself from the dead, then why would one come down, why would he come down to earth as a man, as one of us? and endure that pain and suffer on the cross for our sin. Couldn't he just get rid of our sin as the Father from heaven? And I'd like to clarify on that and just to answer that question. The answer is no. Um, <laughs> there was no other way for him to pay for our sin because in Matthew twenty six thirty nine, Jesus goes and asks the Father, saying, If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus didn't want to die, and understandably so. Um, But it tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So Jesus had to die. It was as the Father willed. But my point is, he easily could have gone 
the painless route and not save us at all. He could have gone... Sorry. He could have chose not to come down, but he didn't. In fact, he chose the hardest route he could have gone, sending his son Jesus down to die for us. That is just crazy to think that the all-powerful, all-knowing God wanted to come down and demonstrate his love for me, that he wants a relationship with me, that he wants to make intercession for me. Without Jesus' resurrection, I have no purpose. Without Jesus' resurrection, I don't know what it's like to love or be loved. Without Jesus' resurrection, I have no hope. But the most beautiful thing as a believer is that I do know what it's like to love. I do have a hope, and when Jesus said to his disciples that he would die and rise again on the third day, it wasn't a lie. He was telling the truth. And it's the same thing for every single word that he says in the Bible. At the end of Matthew 28, after Jesus resurrected, he went to his disciples and spent his final moments with them uh, and, um, before he ascended to heaven. And he says to them, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As believers, Jesus is always with us through everything that happens in our lives, good or bad. Because of Jesus' resurrection, I have a hope, a reason to believe that God remains faithful even when I'm not. Even when I'm pushing him away, he still loves me. And that is the kind of love that I cannot begin to fathom. But I know that God gives it to me freely because he sent his son Jesus to die. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, I would not be who I am today. There have been so many days that have gone by where I've taken for granted the things that God has blessed me with, such as my family, friends, place to live, food to eat. And I also take for granted the power in his resurrection. Because in Romans 6, it tells us that when we give our life to Christ, we are baptized into his death and rise again with Jesus in newness of life. That means we rise with Jesus. And because we rise with Jesus, that mean, and because we rise with Jesus, that means, um, sorry, <laughs> because we rise with Jesus, we have access through his Holy Spirit to that same power that he used to be resurrected. That, that is something, that is power is something that no reigning authority or any government on this earth can even understand, but something I can't understand but the beauty of it is that I don't need to understand it because it's not my power to have, it's the Father's. And it's because of that power that Jesus is worthy of following. He is worthy of our worship and praise and no matter how tough life might get, as long as I remember this one promise at the end of Revelation where he says, behold, I'm coming quickly, then I really don't, have it. I don't really need anything else. I don't have anything to fear because Jesus is risen and he has the victory over death in my life. Thank you. All right. Our next speaker is going to be Faith. So let's welcome Faith up. Um, just in case you're wondering, I am also a Morse. So Ansley, who spoke earlier, is my sister, and Christy is my mom. Um, so when I was first asked to do this and to talk about what the resurrection means to me, I think 99% um, of the people who have been asked this in the past can relate when I say I didn't know what I was going to talk about. Um, so I considered saying no, but... I said yes, and almost as soon as I said yes, like it was like within like the hour, and God like really, I thought God put this on my heart to speak about this very specific thing, and uh, up until this morning, I realized that wasn't what God wanted me to speak about, it's what I wanted to speak about. So this morning, on the way to church, I was listening to worship music, and God was like, yeah, no, actually, you're going to talk about this. And I was like, all right. So if this is a little rocky, that's why. Um, so what the resurrection means to me is it means that I can live my life in peace. And I think it's really funny because that's what my mom talked about. And we didn't coordinate that at all. But 
Um, I think it's a really important thing to understand as a Christian. Um, it's a very unique feeling, the feeling of peace that Christians have, because I genuinely believe that nobody else has that same type of peace. People who are even born in different religions, they think that they know what is correct. They, they can claim to have peace, but from, from those that I've talked to, it's not the same feeling. Uh, I have been at UCF for the last year, um, and I've got to meet a ton of people um, whom, you know, I've never been exposed to that many different people with that many different beliefs. But one person specifically um, I got to meet um, is actually a coworker of mine. Um, and when I first met her, I found out that she was a Mormon. And so I said, okay, that's interesting, but I don't know much about Mormonism. So she and I didn't really connect, but she knew I was a Christian. Um, and then a few months later, she came up to me, this completely random, and I was like, okay, I don't know why she wants to talk to me. We've never talked before. And she goes, Faith, I think what I believe is wrong. I think I've gone the last 18 years believing a lie, and I want to talk to you about what you believe. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's a lot, but sure, we can talk. Um, and she proceeds to tell me that she's gone her entire life thinking that she had to be good enough. She had to live up to par to get into heaven, that God would only love her if she was a good person, if she did what was right. So she spent her entire life thinking that she had the truth and that the truth was she had to live in fear, fear that she would die someday and God would reject her because she didn't live good enough. Um, and that was, it was crazy for me to hear. Um, obviously you're aware that that kind of stuff is out there, that some people do live that way, but it's, it's completely different when you talk to somebody who's living that way. Like, it, it really hurt, hit me hard. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, you've spent the last 18 years in fear. And I don't know what that feels like because I know that I'm living in truth. Like, I've always just had this borderline piece that I had never even recognized before. Um, and so, like, I was, like, going over this idea of peace after I had this conversation with her. And I was talking to some of my other friends, and a question that came up was, like, okay, Faith, well, you were born into this religion. Well, other people were born in their religion, and I know you think you have it right but they also think they have it right. So your peace could apply to anyone who is that confident. But the truth is, that's not true. And the reason that's not true is because we have the resurrection. That's exactly what the resurrection means. It was God conquering death. That's never happened before. It hasn't happened since. And that's how we know that everything that Jesus said was true. And so we can live knowing that we know truth, and we can have peace, and that's what it means to me. I go to uh, pastors' meetings all the time, and uh, and uh, and everybody's got their own struggles and got their own challenges and stuff. And I'll hear about some of the things people share. I'm just like, man, I'm like. I don't know, I've, I've just always been blessed to be part of a church where just the people are awesome. And, and you hear some of the things that the folks are sharing tonight and you see that they have their own relationship with Christ, like they know the Lord, you know? And I'm like, I don't have any of those horror stories, you know? Uh, I have all these good stories and, and tonight you're hearing all these awesome testimonies of, of, of folks who know our Savior. And so uh, you're blessed. <laughs> And we're not done. So our, our next person who's going to share is going to be Al. So let's give Al a warm welcome. Hello, my name is Al Baker. This is my wife, Kathy. We've been coming about two years. We have six 
mostly wonderful children. <laughs> they all have their challenges, but um, we brought them up in the gospel. And they know the gospel, and that's the greatest thing. And um, I brought my Bible tonight. It's like the first time in like two years I brought a Bible in the church because I used my cell phone. And the thing is heavy. Have you noticed that? It's like I actually carried this around for years. So it's a big, large print now, so I can't use the small ones. So, um, so I'm so glad to be here. Um, I just love those testimonies and identified with the guy that talked about the crackpot because I feel like that sometimes in my Christian life uh, because I, you know, I like people and I do crazy things a lot, I guess. Um, and I was thinking about um, the resurrection and um, my first thought which I'm going to come to in a moment. I'm going to stick to that. Um, but I was thinking about the other things. You know, I've heard hundreds of sermons on the resurrection, and um, it's just the greatest, it's the greatest thing in the world. And even Will's message this morning talking about uh, living the resurrection life, I mean, that's really incredibly important. That's something I don't really think about that much, to be truthful with you. Um, and then I, I also think about like Paul where he wrote about the seed and he said the resurrection is like a seed and um, you plant the seed but it has to die first and once it's dead uh, it can come to life and it grows into a, a weed or some other kind of plant he said and, and so and, and, I, and I think about that and I go wow I said where does, where does that relate to? And I keep coming back to this passage in, in John 11 where Lazarus had died. And so uh, he walks up and, and Martha runs up to him and said, Lord, if, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And um, Jesus uh, <laughs> said to her, um, and I've got to read some of this here, uh, just to get it exactly right. Um, so she came to him and, um, and she said, but now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, to her your brother will arise again. Martha said, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now that's my verse for the resurrection. I know that I will rise again in the last day. And I know that most of you, or maybe all of you, will be there with me. And Martha will be there too, and so will Lazarus, and Mary, her sister and brother. And he said that um, to her with such confidence. And I think back, you know, when you get older, you know, there's, you go to more funerals than marriages, you know. I mean, I wish it was the other way around, but it's not. I've known so many people who have died. But I can tell you with all certainty that there's no greater blessing than watching somebody die who has put their faith in Christ. There's nothing greater. And I think back, I could tell you stories, but I'm thinking back 35 years ago where I was introduced to somebody and he asked me if I could help her. And she had cancer and she was young and she was um, well-liked in the community. We lived in kind of a small town. She was gorgeous, and she had everything in life going for her, and she was dying of cancer. She said, can you help me? I said, I can't help you. I couldn't get her insurance. I couldn't do anything. I was in financial business. And then they had a fundraiser. I didn't see her again for a couple months, and they had a fundraiser, so I went to that uh, to encourage her and help her, and she was raised Catholic, and there were all these people there, and I don't know if any of them were believers, but I know that she was. She said, Al, I put my faith in Jesus, and I know that when I die, he's going to be there for me. And I thought, this is the greatest thing in the world, because we're all passing away. And so, you know, how are we going to do it? How are we going to, how are we going to pass through from this earthly life to the next life? So Martha had it right. <laughs> she said, I know that I will see my brother and he will rise in the last day. So, I guess, well, I guess I should finish what Jesus said here. And um, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And then he turned it around and he said it a different way. He said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Thank you. Well, we're going to hear from one of our young people next. Again, our next speaker is going to be Priscilla. Hi. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Priscilla. I've been attending Calvary Chapel for... Um, around 16 years, so when I was like two years old. Um, so as so when Pastor Will asked me to speak, um, in my mind I was saying like um, over and over again, like no, maybe like next time or something. But what came out of my mouth was like, yeah, sure. So <laughs> if that's not an act of will of God, I don't know what it is. So um, as someone who grew up in the church, I was privileged enough to hear about the resurrection from a really young age. So. Um, when I first heard about it, it was not like this life-altering moment, I guess. Um, but uh, as I got older and I was able to like make up my own mind about um, religion and Christianity, I kind of went through this, uh, I call it my emo phase of like questioning life and like the existence of God. And um, uh, so like, I don't know, Socrates couldn't never get on my level, but um, as I started my Christian faith, I, like, did it for, like, logical reasons, so I would think, oh, um, if God existed and um, I believed in him, then I lose nothing, but um, if I don't believe in him and he uh, does exist and I lose everything, I go to hell, um, but as I really thought more about Christianity and, like, um, what God really means for every individual life. It was really depressing to think about and like miserable to think about a life without God because without the resurrection, my life has no meaning as many of you said so far. Um, I have no hope in eternal life, a promise of peace or everlasting love. But um, this is why we call the resurrection the good news because he died and rose again. We do have hope in Jesus Christ and he promises us peace, a purpose, and a love without boundaries, something that I could never deserve or inherently um, inherit rightfully. So um, as 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10 states, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought, us, brought life and immorality to light through the gospel. So for me, the resurrection is a gift I have accepted undeservingly, for there is nothing any of us could have possibly done to earn the favor and, of, and love of God. But through the resurrection, he has exalted us to the position of his own sons and daughters because he deemed us valuable and worthy of love. Thank you for letting me share. It's funny, I've been here eight years now, and, and, uh, and you think of some of these guys were really little when I first got here, and now you hear them share, you know, and just as articulate as the, uh, the not-so-little folks uh, that have come up and shared because they have that relationship with Christ. So our next speaker is going to be Uriana. So come on up here. <laughs> find my notes. Hold on. Okay. Alrighty. A quick story. About four or five years ago, I was asked to speak on Thanksgiving Night of Praise, and I caught an awful stomach bug. So 
So my dear sweet husband, Jeremy, a.k.a. Germ, um, had to read both of ours, and he ended up crying, sweetheart. Um, but that same dear sweet husband suggested that I did what the resurrection means to me this year. It got me back uh, because he knows I'm extremely uncomfortable up here speaking in front of y'all. So, um, okay. Quick introduction for those that don't know me. My name is Yuriana. Um, Jeremy is my husband, and I have three incredible kids. Emiko, who's back there hiding out. Hi. Um, and Jude and Iko. And uh, Emiko was up here earlier today uh, singing with the Calvary Kids Choir, and she encouraged me and said, Mom, if, if I can do it, you can do it. And so here I am. So most of you know my story and my testimony, so I won't go too much into it, but in a nutshell, it took me years to finally and truly submit my life to Jesus. I was saved, but Germ and I were those Christians who loved to debate and argue uh, why we loved God while we were three sheets to the wind. In other words, we were those um, types of Christians that would say, well, Jesus turned water into wine, so this third bottle of wine is okay for me tonight. We were not uh, the best representatives. We had our pinky toe in the church and the rest of our bodies in the world. It wasn't until we found Calvary Chapel where we, um, our newly submitted lives were forever changed, and I truly believe it had to do much um, with the verse-by-verse teaching and discipleship we received here. It's then that the death and resurrection became more than a story. It's then that I started to unpack the awful truth of what Jesus chose to do on my behalf If someone came up to me with a gun and gave me an option to go through torture, pain, embarrassment, ridicule, and like the worst type of death ever, um, or I could live by denouncing Christ, I'd love to say with all confidence that without a shadow of a doubt, I would choose to die. But I don't know because I've never been faced with that. And I also know that I would probably contemplate doing it because I'm human and I'm in my flesh. Christ chose to suffer with full knowledge of what's to come and was even offered chances to walk away from, all, from the intimate death um, that awaited him. But he chose us. He chose me when he walked out that torturous death. When I think about the resurrection, it's an assurance of his love because who would choose to go through that for any other reason other than agape love? Especially someone like me, a work in progress. So quick side note, we are remodeling our house, and by we, I mean Germ, and he's doing it all himself. Uh, Never having done anything like this before, he's learning step-by-step how to replace floors, windows, plumbing, the whole nine. Um, And sometimes it's frustrating for him because he has to redo things two or three times, and it takes up time, money, and patience, but he does it because he can envision the final masterpiece it'll be once it's completed. I'm the Lord's renovation project. I'm sure it's extremely frustrating, arduous, laborious, and all the other adjectives that aren't pleasant. Um, However, because he can see me as a finished product, he continues to chisel away my blemishes and build on his firm foundation. Another little side story. A group of us ladies went to Brandon Women's Conference last weekend to support our very own Beverly Ramirez, who was teaching. And the morning of the second day during praise and worship, I was praying, and I saw a very clear picture in my head. I want to say vision, but I don't want you all to think I'm crazy. Um, But it was very, very vivid, and it was me in a flowy dress reaching out to Jesus, okay? But I was looking over my shoulder. Um, Hold on. Okay, so I was looking over my shoulder, and over my shoulder was the world, distractions, the enemy trying to grab me, and it was really clear. Bev goes up to teach a few minutes later and began with that same description of us reaching out to Jesus and not looking back. Crazy. I personally allow distractions of the world, the enemy, current events, fear, and my own self to grab my attention off of the one thing that will always keep me focused and on the right path, Jesus. I'm thankful the Lord is willing to continue to work on me. So when I was asked, what does the resurrection mean to me? I can try to sum it up as such. 
The tomb, left empty, means I am no longer in the bondage of sin because the creator of the entire universe chose to walk out an unthinkable death because his love for me is just that big. Um, And as long as my gaze is transfixed on Jesus, holding his hand through life's every circumstance, the weight of the world and any darts thrown by the enemy no longer have a bearing on me because I am the Lord's labor of love. We serve a good, good father. Amen? Amen. Our final speaker this evening is going to be Patrick. So let's give Patrick a welcome. Hi, I'm Patrick. Hold on, my notes. It's a pleasure and a blessing to be able to speak to everybody this evening. And I would like to declare that I'm a rich guy. You know, I have accumulated great wealth in this life. Not to brag. Let's see if my wife's laughing yet. (laughs) It's a simple formula. Uh, You know, blue-collar career, have lots of kids. Easy peasy. Not really complicated. (laughs) Okay, ain't really got much cash. (sighs) But, how the Lord has seen fit to give me a wife who is simply so wonderful that my limited and inferior vocabulary could never do justice describing just what she is to me. I just hope she knows. To have a home full of children who are precious to me, so precious to me, and yet are so sincerely faithful, who humble me and challenge me to walk closer to the Lord every day. And I many times feel like that should be the other way around. To be surrounded by friends and extended family and an outstanding church and church family. I could go on and on and on. Why all this to this wretch of wretches? You see, the Lord saved me as a 13-year-old boy while visiting my dad in Orlando and staying up late watching a televangelist. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior that night as the gospel was presented, and I understood then that I was a sinner and accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for me. But as I look back on the 30-plus years of opportunity for spiritual growth and work for the kingdom of God, I think I've probably squandered most of it. As a matter of fact, I know I have. Yet God's love for me remains unchanged. I am broken and sometimes disturbed at my ability to sin and fall short of the glory of God to this day. Maybe not externally, but there are places my heart and mind will go sometimes that I dare never utter. Consequences of dabbling in things of this world that I mostly knew better to avoid. A wretch of wretches. Time and time and time again, I find myself relating to the place David was when he pleaded with God because his faith and love for God was real, but he found himself broken due to sin. Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I have prayed this so many times. But God knows And knew all of it when Jesus proceeded to the cross to save me and you. What does a resurrection mean to me? That in his full knowledge of how wretched we are, his mercy, grace, and love for us is so much greater that took him to the cross. Yet so also inconceivably great is his power to conquer sin and death, our rightful consequence. That empty tomb, the never-recovered body, 
testifies along with the Holy Spirit to the truth that we worship the one true living God of all creation who knows each one of us personally and completely and loves us perfectly regardless. Thank you. Great night. Are you encouraged, challenged, comforted? That's what the Bible says when, when the Spirit of God is working, you know, coming alongside His Word, the testimonies of the saints. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, worship team, come on up, guys. Let's all stand. <laughs> you guys have something? You have something? Okay, all right. I I saw looks coming up like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, I can acapella it. That's fine. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for, Lord, just being a part of your family. Thanks so much for these testimonies of people who are brothers and sisters who know you, Lord. Every testimony that came out tonight of what the resurrection meant to them testified that they know you. And Lord, we we bear witness with that because we get it. So thank you, Lord, for our family, our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the words that were shared tonight. And Lord, let none of us leave the ending of this day that we remember your resurrection. We remember all the powerful things that people said tonight. Let us not leave it um, to go into tomorrow and, and be unchanged. Lord, whatever it is that you spoke to us throughout the day and certainly this evening, we choose to apply it to our lives. We choose... To, to make it personal, Lord, that we would leave here different than when we came in. So bless us all, we pray. We give you this time to worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.